Hello again. When is saying a comment is unhelpful, even more unhelpful than the original thing that was said? Well, last week, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said he believed he would see United Ireland in his lifetime, and he previously spoke of the potential for a Plan B if devolved government in the North is not restored by the autumn. Plan B possibly involving a greater role for the Irish government in the internal affairs of Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland Secretary Chris Heaton-Harris then said the comments were unhelpful and were affecting unionists in Northern Ireland. Well, Belfast-based journalist Amanda Ferguson joins me now. We'll be coming back to the political panel. What specifically was unhelpful, do we know, uh, Amanda Ferguson, as far as Chris Heaton-Harris was concerned? Was it the idea of a plan B as yet unspecified or was it the aspiration to a united Ireland? Good afternoon, yes. Well, when the teacher made his comments about, um, you know, hoping to see united Ireland in his lifetime, it didn't surprise uh, many people across the island. However, the reaction to the, the comments it was quite predictable. Um, I, I felt that Chris Heaton-Harris saying that uh, the comments were unhelpful was more related to the plan B than they were uh, to, to the idea that the Taoiseach would like to see a united Ireland. However, he later doubled down uh, on the unhelpfulness and then the junior minister in the Northern Ireland office, Steve Baker, also highlighted that he felt that the comments were unhelpful. Now, in an, in an interview with me, um, you know, uh, Steve Baker was wearing a union flag badge and, and, and what's known as a, a Northern Ireland banner uh, flag as well. So I put it to him, if the Taoiseach saying that he's a Republican is unhelpful, is you wearing uh, union badges and, and so on unhelpful? So it's kind of one of those... Um, talking points in the North that it's not useful to have senior politicians uh, from the UK government or the Irish government uh, bickering with each other in public as, as the Alliance leader Naomi Long put it but when it comes to expressions of unionism and republicanism it's hard to argue against right. you know what's good for the goose. But throughout the Brexit negotiations the Dublin government was always being pointed to as being on some kind of a crypto unification agenda. Here's Leo Varadkar being explicit about it it could be just regarded as a bit of honesty it could be even regarded as refreshing. Yes, well, it's 2023. You know, the demographics and the political landscape of, of the island is changing. Uh, the idea that uh, people who would want Irish unity aren't allowed to express those sentiments in the way that unionists are allowed to talk about their passion for the union just isn't realistic anymore. So I think that while sometimes we can get screaming headlines that come from these kind of stories, there is a realisation. And often, you know, I, I've put it to, to Chris Heaton Harris and to Steve Baker, can you clarify that you understand and accept that it's... Um, it's more than fine for non-unionists to express their their desire for United Ireland, and they always say yes. Of course, uh, you know we we respect a Good Friday Agreement, but then whenever it comes to the politics of it, uh, then these kind of uh, arguments unfold. And I suppose, um, you know, whenever it comes to to restoring the the government in the north, we travel in in hope over experience. But it really does feel as if we're reaching a a kind of crucial crunch point decision time for the DUP uh, because the first phase of the Windsor framework is due to be implemented at the start of October. So I suppose if government doesn't come back uh, in in the coming weeks, uh, then people will want to know what Plan B might be. Right. And as far as the Good Friday is concerned, what are the limits of Plan B? 
Yes, well, um, the the Taoiseach's very clear um, whenever he's making comments that he's not overreaching, that he's not um, requesting joint authority. Joint authority isn't provided for uh, in the Good Friday Agreement. However, the idea that there would be some sort of, uh, you know, UK only, London only direct rule uh, for the North uh, in 2023 just wouldn't exist. So I think that it's clear whenever it comes to this part of the world that uh, what's best for the people in the North or Northern Ireland however you describe the the jurisdiction that I'm from is when the Irish government and the UK government work uh, hand in hand uh, for the benefit of all and that hasn't been happening in recent times despite the improved relations um, you know uh, over the the Windsor framework and the resetting of the relationships the sense is that the Irish government hasn't been as involved as it could have been in this process but the the local parties who aren't the DUP will also say that you know uh, Naomi Long from Alliance Michelle O'Neill from Sinn Féin uh, Matthew Tilf from the SDLP all highlight that this really has been a, a negotiation between the UK government and the DUP and everyone else has kind of been excluded to an extent. And what, what structures exist finally then? What structures would exist for the Irish government to make their opinion known in a more meaningful and useful way on, on, on Northern Ireland that might constitute a plan B? Yes, well, I, I guess it would be that sort of consultative role and the fact that uh, there are three uh, strings to the Good Friday Agreement. There's only, there's those uh, internal relationships, uh, there's the North-South relationships and all the bodies uh, that flow from that. And then, of course, there's a relationship East-West. And at the moment, none of those uh, strands of the Good Friday Agreement um, are working particularly well. And I think that whenever we have discussions on, on this kind of uh, area, it always comes down to, to people repeating the idea that if only what uh, What's been agreed was, was implemented. We wouldn't have half of these problems. But I think that uh, you know, post Brexit, the the conversations in in the north and I guess across the island uh, around uh, a possible new Ireland or our Irish reunification are accelerating. Uh, and unionism now has a decision uh, to make about whether it wants to work the structures of the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, because Steve Baker was very clear in his comments to me uh, that he said, if you want Northern Ireland in the union, it's going to need a government. And I guess that's a message. Uh, to all of the sort of what he described as hardline unionist opinion formers that apply pressure to the DUP uh, not to get back uh, into government. But it, it really does feel that, um, you know, if, if something doesn't happen in the next couple of weeks, it may be uh, the Westminster election before unionism would want to move. Uh, because even at the at the local elections that we had in May, DUP sources uh, were, were indicating to me that they had their eye on the Westminster election with regard to uh, not being able to get back to government right until those had taken place. So nothing certain at the moment, but as you know, uh, Colm, uh, a day in, in politics is a long time in this part of the world, so things can get pulled together and happen very quickly. But at the moment, there's no imminent sign of a return to government. All right, Amanda Ferguson, Belfast-based journalist, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Well, still with me are Peter Burke, the Minister of State with responsibility for EU Affairs and Defence, Finnegale TD for Longford Westmead there, Rory O'Morrohu TD for Louth for Sinn Féin and their spokesperson on EU Affairs and Senator Marie Sherlock, Labour spokesperson on Employment Affairs, Media, Arts, Culture and the Gaelic. To you first, uh, Peter Burke. Amanda Ferguson mentioned there post-Brexit things are different. There were personal relations between Irish government ministers and UK ministers just as a matter of course as a result of meeting at European Council meetings when the UK was in the European Union. In the absence of those personal relationships, what strides have been made to have some kind of behind-the-scenes relationship forming before things spill out into hostility in the open? 
Well, I think you've seen firsthand over the last number of months the number of journeys both the Taunashta and the Taoiseach have made to Northern Ireland, meeting all the political parties, which is very important to do, meeting representatives from the UK government and trying to encourage them as best they can to get around the table and really resolve this two and a half years hiatus. I know in terms of the Good Friday Agreement, we celebrated 25 years of it in this state, how important it is. And the strands, as your previous speaker alluded to, are not working. So in my previous portfolio as Minister for Local Government, I was not able to meet as often as I would through proper mechanisms and structures contained within the agreement, my local government minister in Northern Ireland. And we have so much going on in the Republic in terms of our shared island initiative. We have massive funding that we want to really enhance cross-border projects, cross-border cooperation and really invest in our shared future. Right, and but, but we what, have to get back does, to that What does Plan B look like when you talk about there, be, there being a need for Plan B? Spell it out. What does Plan B, in, in case people think there is some delusional aspiration towards joint authority, you know, what does Plan B look like by way of reassurance? No, there isn't. I think it's just really working, stepping up intensive negotiations, working with all the parties and trying to get people around the table. And what we really need, and this is critical, that hasn't been to the fore in the process, is really... We are co-guarantors. We need two states really standing up in genuine partnership. And that's one thing, unfortunately, through the legacy bill and other different uh, aspects we've seen over the course over the last uh, number of months. We just haven't that genuine uh, partnership that we need. We have improved. The UK has come a long way under uh, the current Prime Minister. But we need to go further and we need to really ensure that we're bringing all parties together, uh, all five political parties, and not just isolating a cohort. And that has to be to the forefront now as we progress uh, with the negotiations. All right. Uh, Rory O'Moraku, what do you think Plan B should look like? Well, first of all, I'd like to see Plan A up and running. And the fact is people voted that what they want to see is an assembly. They want to see an executive up and running. I think there has to be very straight conversations with unionism. Uh, I think it's absolutely farcical in relation to uh, British ministers talking about uh, language being unhelpful, particularly when they introduced the legacy bill, which obviously rides roughshod um, over those that are seeking truth uh, and justice in relation to what happened uh, during the conflict and that there's not a political party that you will find on the island of Ireland that is in agreement with what they are right. uh, well, in, doing. In but the absence of Plan A, if you know, if if Sinn Fein was it was in government and this situation pertained, if Stormont wasn't going to be got up and running, and it doesn't look like it with the the, the depth of unionist opposition to the Northern Ireland Protocol, well, what I, I can role, tell you what's what not role should the Irish government be seeking to play? Well, let, let's let's be absolutely clear. It's not acceptable that we would have a continuity of direct rule, and um, that you would have had over many years and uh, that's not in any way okay this is we are far removed from the 1990s and before that so what we need to ensure is that there are straight conversations with unionism and um, that there are straight conversations with the British government and we need to make sure that all efforts are put into actually putting in place an executive that is running. Because look, we know what's going to happen here. The Conservative Party are introducing punitive budgets. They are putting pressure on families and workers and that is not okay. But what we need to do is get an executive up and running so at least this can be mitigated to beyond. But let's be let's be clear just right. beforehand. If we're talking about what Leo Fradker said, he needs to follow that up with preparatory work in relation to Irish unity. It is a conversation that's happening. It's obviously happening in his own right. party and we need to make sure that the resources... Follow it up to the extent that he should consider coalition with Sinn Féin, should he? Well, here, 
what we said is we will talk to anybody because right. we are uh, we'll talk to children too Marie Sherlock um, what's, what's your view or what does plan B look like if the Irish government is, is to play a role that you know is within the framework of the Good Friday Agreement what, what should that look like in order to play a constructive role helping people who badly need services and a lot of other things in Northern Ireland. Well, yeah, and like, and I think the reality is, you know, we have seen a number of industrial disputes, you know, like as in very serious crisis in health and education in ter- and, and, you know, to Rory's point about the punitive budgets that Westminster have been passing and, and the squeeze that has been put on the North. Look, I think that the, the, the reality is no one party can have a veto and that's what the DUP have attempted here, right? And I think the Irish government certainly, you know, has, has a, a very active role to play and I know it has been playing but it needs to step that up in terms of saying to all parties that it needs to come to the table. Like Chris Heaton Harris's uh, comments here, they were absolutely outrageous. And I suppose in some ways what kind of surprised me was the surprise about Leo Radker's comments. We should expect this from the Taoiseach of, 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 of the country, that of course we should be aspiring to a united Ireland, a new Ireland, a shared island of Ireland. Uh, and, and, and I suppose the, 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 the key thing is that actually, and you know, and, and fairness, his comments were very sensitive in terms of what the future might look like but 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 I think what's really important is that while action certainly needs you know there needs to be a stepping up of uh, I, I suppose and, and, and those very honest conversations in the north I think those conversations in the south also very much need to be dialed up because there's a real issue here that I think uh, what people might say they want a united Ireland I think we haven't thought through what that might look like and that needs to be dialed up Okay uh Peter Burke, let's just take a practical issue, the level of pollution in Loch Ney at the moment. No border is going to stop that. So who does the Irish government talk to right now if we are worried about cross-contamination of bodies of water, for example, between Northern Ireland and, uh, and, the, the, uh, and Ireland? That's obviously a huge challenge and what you're dealing with now is the government structures uh, that are there without the elected representative element that communities have voted for. They've asked the representative to go and form a uh, devolved government and that hasn't happened. Well, how do we so overcome that challenge then? We have to work to try and get uh, Stormont back up and running. Essentially what we're doing now obviously is we're working through the strands of the Good Friday Agreement and working through Strand 3 particularly where we have our uh, intergovernmental conferences meeting with the uh, various different governments uh, working, trying to resolve issues that you but have mentioned. They, but they are big challenges. But getting Stormont up and running effectively hands a veto over progress to the DUP if they decide that there is a price to them re-entering Stormont. No, I think what we do need is to de-escalate things. We really need a situation whereby the DUP has got significant wins, I think, from the protocol as it evolved from the backstop. And now we have the Windsor framework. You know, they have a lot of their fears, which they originally articulated about products that were going to remain in Northern Ireland, they have been resolved. So there should be no significant impediment to getting back around the table and tackle those issues that you quite rightly point out are a massive challenge for communities.